0: Beautiful hymn that conveys the truth of God's word, truths that we'll look at uh, from the book of Ephesians today. Together today, as we return to Ephesians chapter two, our present uh, sermon series, we bring to uh, we bring this message series to an end as we look at the final portion of this text, Ephesians chapter two, uh, verses one through ten. Uh, we've been trekking with uh, this text and looking at the truth of the gospel. And allowing God's Word to speak to us, and certainly we want to uh, finish uh, this study together as we look at verses 8, 9, and 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. So as you find your place there, let me invite you to join me once again uh, standing for the reading of God's Word. In Ephesians chapter 2, we'll focus in on verses 8, 9, and 10, but I want to back up and read the whole section so we can follow the movement of this text Lord God, we do thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that you are a God who has spoken, a God who still speaks through it. Lord, your word is alive and active. So speak to us now, Lord, through your word, by the presence and power of your spirit, that our lives might be conformed uh, to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, you may be seated. Well, I don't watch a whole lot of uh, NBA professional basketball. I do from time to time. I enjoy it. Uh, but I noticed uh, just the other day, I read an article uh, that said selections have been made once again for the upcoming annual All-Star Game uh, with two of the league's greats, Stephen Curry and LeBron James, uh, being the ones who received the greatest number of votes from fans and players and media, landing them team captain positions. Uh, Now, no surprise there among basketball fans. You know, we love to recognize people and to evaluate them based upon their accomplishments. And we don't just do this in sports and entertainment. Uh, Whether uh, you're single and looking at people as potential dates, uh, or university faculty looking at people as potential students or employers looking at people as potential employees, we subconsciously appraise people based upon what we think they are worth. We reward and celebrate those whose apparent integrity or performance benefits us while we ignore or critique those who disappoint us. And of course, church, we're not just on the dishing end of this We're also all on the receiving end. We are all being evaluated. Standardized tests, semester grades, performance reviews, the sum of the paycheck, the company's annual profit, even our spouse's tone with us, all of these communicate worth and value to us. I want to be recognized, I want to be appreciated, I want to be accomplished, fulfilled and valuable to others. Don't you? And the good news for us today as believers is that uh, God says that you and I are all of these recognized, appreciated, accomplished, fulfilled, valuable, but not because of anything we've done, simply because of what He has done for us. Believers, salvation is solely God's work. Salvation is solely uh, God's work. He does this. Through Jesus, He accomplishes something extraordinary for us. Rescuing each of us from the destruction of sin by saving us from the deserved consequences of our sin and then positioning us, seating us with Christ So that we can now live in the way He intended for us to live from the very beginning. And so that we can enjoy His grace forever and ever. Believers, this is salvation. New life here and now. Free from the control of sin. And eternal life there. Enjoying a right relationship with God forever and ever. But you know, like the gift of a sacrificial and loving spouse uh, who puts us before himself or herself, or like the gift of a booming economy that grows the business despite our lack of expertise and experience, or like the gift of a new car that uh, is left to you uh, by your great Aunt Betsy, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve any of this, if the scriptures say anything at all. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 says anything at all, it is that God deals with us graciously, meaning that He gives us far, far more than we've earned. For we were dead in our sins, living lives of rebellion against our Maker, and He saved us. He, He looked upon us with mercy, and He spared us. Salvation is totally undeserved, yet freely offered by God. That's what the scriptures teach. That's what the gospel is. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8, 9, and 10, I think, communicate to us this morning, that salvation is totally undeserved, yet freely offered by God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. It is by grace you have been saved. Again in verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In verse 5, and then again in verse 8, Paul intentionally places grace near the beginning of these clauses. By grace you have been saved. You know, like one of those tactical, high-powered flashlights that abruptly pierces the darkness of the night. The tone of this text changes suddenly as we move from verses 1, 2, and 3 to verses 4 through 10. God intervenes. God rescues. God saves. And not on the basis of merit, but according to the riches of His grace. God becomes the primary mover and actor in this epic story. And no story of conversion to Christ, though all personal and all unique and all worth sharing, should ever eclipse the wonder of God's intervening love. In other words, friends, my testimony of conversion really should say more about the greatness of God and what He has done the salvation that He has accomplished and offered to me than it does about anything I did to receive it. When it comes to recounting the Lord's work in our lives, listen to where the emphasis lies in this text. Listen to where all the credit goes, beginning in verse 4. But because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace... You have been saved. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, this is my paraphrase, because he wanted to show us his grace and kindness forever and ever. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. As if we haven't recognized that yet from this text. Paul says, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, Paul would be hard-pressed to be any clearer in saying, you cannot earn your salvation on your own. You cannot overcome the sin gulf and make things right with God. You can't appease God. Only God can fix this, and believers, He has done it. He has done it. You were dead in your sins and God saved you. So stop stop trying to earn God's favor. Stop trying to earn God's, God's favor. It cannot be earned. That's religion. You have reconciliation. Because of God's mercy, you are no longer spiritually dead. You're alive with Christ. You're no longer deserving of God's wrath because Jesus already took it for you and for me. And He promoted you to the highest status or rank that you could ever receive. So what does this look like? Whenever church attendance or tithing or mission work or prayer or reading Scripture, etc., becomes a chore to do because our spiritual apathy or selfishness or immorality leaves us feeling like we need to make up to God like we need to prove ourselves again to God, then we're operating from a faulty understanding of salvation. Should we feel conviction over our sin? Yes. Absolutely. But this conviction ought to drive us back to the cross of Christ where we know our guilt was removed by the grace of God. So we're not made motivated to serve God out of guilt. For there is... Now, no condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're clean. We're washed. We're restored. We don't earn God's favor, for he has already given us his favor. For it is by grace you have been saved. So, yes, we commit. To regular church attendance. We commit to give sacrificially to the Lord. We commit to share the gospel, to devote ourselves to prayer and other activities that honor the Lord, but not in order to earn His favor, but because He has already graciously given us His favor. We're motivated not by guilt, but by the riches of His grace, and grace is a far greater motivator. So because salvation is totally undeserved, yet freely offered by God, stop stop trying to earn God's favor and stop boasting in your position. Stop boasting in in your position. There's no grounds for personal boasting among the redeemed. Yet the sin nature in us continues to tempt us to look around at others and say, well, at least I don't do that. Right? Right? At least I don't cheat on my wife. At least I work for my money. At least I give a lot of my money to charity. Or at least I don't worship some false god. At least I'm a Christian, smart enough to believe the truth. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Listen to Paul's piercing words to the Galatian believers. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, may I never boast. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Salvation is God's work. And He alone deserves the credit for it. From the provision itself on the cross of Christ all the way to the faith response in the lives of believers, God does This salvation is totally undeserved, yet freely offered to us. So, receive the offer, receive Christ's free gift, receive Christ's free gift. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Through faith, faith meaning belief and trust is required. This is how you receive it. You see, salvation, the forgiveness of sins, is not like the extended warranty offered to you when you purchase a new KitchenAid mixer or a new Honda lawnmower. Uh, It's not a protection plan that you can purchase by filling out a form and giving a few extra dollars of cash just in case you might need it one day. No, it's a gift. Freely offered. No strings attached. But like any gift... It must be received. For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what Paul says back in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. He says, For if by the trespass of the one man, speaking of Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace... And the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It's a gift to be received. You know, some time back I purchased a couple uh, gift cards uh, from Perry's Steakhouse down near the Colonnade on uh, Highway 280. I, I've never eaten at Perry's, uh, but I wanted to get something uh, nice for a couple of friends. And uh, at the time of my purchase, I didn't know this, but at the time of my pur- purchase... Uh, I found out when I went in that they were doing some sort of special promotion at the time, uh, meaning that if you spent so much uh, money on gift cards, you got some additional gift cards for yourself. And so I gladly took them. didn't deserve them. Uh, They were a gift. I didn't pay for them, uh, but they were given to me. And so not too long ago, I was uh, thinking about those, and it would be nice to go and and take my bride out for a date. And so I, I found those gift cards, and guess what? They had expired. no longer worth anything. (laughs) You know the feeling. Because the time had passed during which the gift could be used. Friend, don't let the time pass during which the gift can be used. Don't let the time pass during which you can receive the gift of God's gracious provision on the cross. But the Scriptures are clear that the King will return one day. He will come again and He will gather His own. And for those who know Him, for those who are believers, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But on that day, it will be too late to become one of His. Receive Christ's free gift by turning to Him in faith today. Salvation is solely God's work. He alone must receive the glory for He does the saving work. We receive the gift He doesn't save us by our works, but He saves us to do good works. God recreates the saved to live in His way. God recreates the saved to live in His way. That's what this new life is all about. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul literally writes that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand in order that we might walk in them. That's the, the image that he uses. Popular image that he uses. That we might walk in this way. Fitting closure to this entire section that began in verse 2 saying that we used to walk in the ways of the world. But now we walk in the world. And the good works that God planned for us to do from the very beginning. The His of verse 10. For we are His handiwork. The His is emphatic in the original language of the New Testament. Meaning that it receives particular emphasis showing once again that salvation is God's work. We are His handiwork. Paul writes. We are saved by God's grace. We are saved to live in a certain way. With good works... Stemming like fresh fruit from this new life in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. A new life. Jesus speaks of this new life, this new birth, a new life characterized by a new way of living, a new devotion, a new allegiance, a new perspective. Martin Luther and the key leaders, perhaps the most well-known leader of the Protestant Reformation, the German theologian, said this. He said, "True faith will no more fail to produce good works than the sun can cease to give light. True faith will no more fail to produce good works, a changed life, than the sun can cease to give light." We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, but faith in Christ is never alone. True salvation produces the fruit of good works among the saved. So we don't just have a message to believe and to proclaim, but we also have a gospel to live. We're called to live in God's grace. So start living in His grace. Live in His grace. Live according to His grace. Start living in His grace. Receive Christ's free gift and then start walking and talking and thinking And acting like the redeemed that you already are. You see, none of us are worthy of the gift. It's by grace you have been saved. But through the presence and the power of God at work in us, we can now live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Chapter 4, verse 1. So let's do just that. The power and presence of God, let's live in His grace knowing who we are and whose we are and who it is that is at work in us. And if we're ever going to live this way, the Jesus way of living, we need continual reminders of His grace for we are prone to wonder, we are prone to forget, we are prone to slip right back into that old way of living apart from Christ. But as we hear the Gospel, God reminds us. As we read His Word, God reminds us as we gather with His people, God reminds us of His grace. And now as we turn to the table, as we remember, as we pass, as we partake, we're reminded of His grace. We're reminded in the words of Paul from Ephesians chapter 2 of the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let's bow together. Lord, we thank You for the riches of Your grace. We thank You for Your provision and Your love. We thank You for restoration and reconciliation. We thank You for life now and forevermore through Jesus Christ our Lord, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, now as we turn to the table, as we remember the sacrifice, remind us of Your grace. Lord, flood us with hearts and thoughts of gratitude for Your provision for Your kindness, for Your mercy. Lead us, change us, shape us for Your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The churches, our deacons come to the table who are serving this morning, let me invite you where you are to spend a few moments uh, reflecting on the cross, the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ, confessing sin before Him, preparing to, to take the elements as they're passed, certainly if you know jesus if you have repented and trusted in jesus for salvation me encourage you let me not only invite you let me encourage you to take the elements as they come by you today as you remember the cross and the life that you have if you know jesus me encourage you to take let's bow together and then we'll pass lord we do thank you once again prepare our hearts Receive our our, pra- our praise and devotion to You. Lord, as we pass, help us to remember with gratitude, celebrating what You have accomplished for us and longing to be with You and live with You forever. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.